this morning, do you believe those words? Come on, that God is worthy of it all, that God is faithful. God is. He's faithful. He's worthy. But you also know what God is. God is a healer. And what I'm just feeling this morning before we, you know, exit worship and enter into the Word, you know, I feel like God wants to heal some people. You know, if you're in this place today and maybe you have something going on in your body, you know, maybe you're standing in the gap for a loved one who's sick. You know, I know this weekend Pastor Michael wasn't supposed to lead worship. Uh, Pastor Zach was, but he came down uh, being sick. So we want to pray for him. Uh, Apostle C, Miss Linnell's father, he just had major surgery. We want to believe for healing for him. You know, uh, we want to believe healing for Pastor Michael's son, complete wholeness where he'll be home and this next week and just at the house, everything perfect. But listen, if you have a need in the house today, we serve a God that heals. Amen. If you have a need for healing, I want you to raise your hand or you're standing in the gap for somebody. Just raise your hand. Lord, right now you see the hands that are raised. God, I pray that you would heal people right now. Lord, I thank you that you sent your word and you'd healed those that were sick. God, I pray that you would help people right now that are just in trouble, God, with health issues. God, I pray wholeness to Pastor Zach right now. Would you heal him? God, we pray for Apostle C right now. God, would you heal his body? God, we pray for a good report. We pray for little Fisher. God, that he would be 100% whole and he would go home this week. And God, I pray for every person that's standing in the gap for a loved one right now. God, would you heal them? Would you bless them? Would you anoint them? God, and it would be another testimony to the goodness and the faithfulness of who you are. God, we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. Awesome. Come on, look at your neighbor. Give them a high five. Tell them you are glad that they're in the house. Tell them that they're looking good. Tell your other neighbor that they're looking good. Pastor Carl, I thought you were listening to all three messages. Oh, okay. Oh, I mean, I didn't know. Listen, we are glad that you are here uh, this morning. It's a great morning to worship God. Amen. Nothing better than being in the presence of God, worshiping God. No better place to be. I'm telling you, your favorite team doesn't play for a few hours, and it may not turn out good anyway. So to, right now is as good as it's going to get. All right? In the house of God, worshiping God. But we are so glad that you're here. My name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here. And as Pastor Cole said, Pastor John uh, is out of town. He's been on the tractor working hard all week. He's been preparing for his new series that he's starting next weekend that's going to just launch us into to the fall. So pray for him. Um, as I alluded in prayer, uh, we want to pray for Miss Linnell, who's with her father right now, who just had a major surgery. We are believing for breakthrough for him, complete healing uh, for a Apostle C. Amen? Listen, uh, let's jump into the Word today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Uh, we're going to go there in just a second. But how many people in here have ever been at the right place at the right time? Anybody in the house? Okay, that's what's up. You're in the right place at the right time right now in God's house. But how many people you've ever won something? Ever won anything? Some of y'all, you ain't won nothing, huh? Maybe, maybe you won like a, a gift card or a, a little raffle or maybe you're going through the drive-thru and somebody paid for your food. That happened to anybody? Man, the other crowd's blessed. I don't know. Like, I don't know. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, I'm in Whitney's car and two of my girls, Aslan and Trinity, are with me and we're going to get the car washed on Richmond Road at the uh, Little Boomerang wa car wash. And we pulled up and there's a guy there who's an attendant who works there. And, you know, he helps people figure out what kind of car wash you want. And as we pulled up and I'm getting ready to enter my information, he says, man, you don't need to pay. Go on through. I got gotcha. you. And I was like, you got me? He's like, I got gotcha. you. And he said, you know, I, I was thinking the next car that pulls through with a few kids, man, I'm going to pay for their, their car wash. And so, you know, we got in line and I went through and I said, man, I appreciate you, dude. And then I'm thinking like, man, I wonder if your boss knows that you just gave me a free car wash. Either way, I got one right place, right time. Amen. I want to look at a story uh, that's kind of like that. Acts chapter three, verse one. Here's what the Bible declares. It says this. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily, say daily, at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask for alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. 
And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately, say immediately, his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Come on, how awesome is this story? This is an amazing story. It's not just a good bedtime story, but this is historically accurate. This actually happened. God used Peter and John to heal this man who was lame from birth. And if we're not careful, we can look at this story kind of like what I illustrated earlier, right place, right time. This guy was at the right place at the right time, but make no mistake about it, this was not a matter of fact of luck. This was the faithfulness of God, and this was the commitment of two believers, Peter and John, to believe that God could do something amazing in the life of this guy who desperately needed it. Amen? We serve a God that's faithful. We serve a God that cares. We serve a God that sees us. And I'm telling you... Uh, I want to be a part of stories like this. Amen. Anybody out there? Um, when I was praying about service this weekend, I was inspired by this story, how God used two just ordinary men to do something extraordinary for the kingdom of God. And so what I want to do for our next few minutes together is I want to use this story as a backdrop. And I want to talk about fully committing ourselves to God this fall. Come on, when we read the Bible, particularly the book of Acts, you see God use his followers in radical ways to impact a fallen world. Those believers, not just the apostles, turned the world upside down with their love, with their obedience, and with their commitment to follow Jesus even unto death. And I think we would all agree. I think the United States of America right now, I think we need a 180 degree shift towards Jesus. I think we need to be committed to him. I think we need to love people. I think we need to care for people. And I think we need to obey God. And I believe God wants to move on our behalf, on behalf of the people in this nation. Come on, you don't have to be a sociologist or a prophet to realize we live in a world right now with a lot of problems. And the solution to the problems that we see is not just another politician. It's not just another program. It's not just more taxes. The solutions to the problems that we see is the church. The empowered, committed, awakened church of Jesus Christ in this hour. The problems are there. The solution is here and it's Jesus in us. Right now, more than ever before, if, if we profess to be Christians, we need to be about it. We don't need to be wishy-washy. We don't need to be halfway in. We don't need to be just disingenuine. We don't need to be disengaged. We have to be committed to doing God's work this fall. Everybody say committed. So again, using this story as a backdrop, I want to talk about three things that we must be committed to this fall. Come on, we're never going to get our time back. Every single person in here, you are busy. You got school, you got work, you got practice, you got soccer games, you have hobbies, you have everything going on. Come on. We had three soccer games yesterday. I'm the coach. We lost all three. I feel like last year I bragged, like we won three games on a Saturday. This, this week, God humbled us. We need a new coach. <laughs> Come on, just because things are busy, though, does not mean that Jesus takes a back seat in our life. Jesus has to be number one. If we don't, maybe we don't play soccer, but Jesus has to be number one in our life. We have to work, we have to make money, we have to provide, but I don't need a third car. I don't need a vacation house. I need Jesus in my life. He has to be paramount in our life today. So here's what we want to do. We want to look at three ways this fall that we can commit to follow Jesus with our whole heart. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, today we love you. We thank you that you are faithful, that you are good. God, I pray as we talk about commitment, I pray that this would be a fall that we commit to you, to follow you with our whole heart. God, I pray that there's a voice within my voice, God, that would touch us, that would pierce us. I thank you that your, your, your word does not return void. And God, I pray that you would just help us. God, we want to follow you and we want, and we want to follow you better. God, would you help us today? We love you. 
In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Again, we're going to look at three practical things that we must be committed to this fall to see God move greatly in our life. And these three points are, are not exhaustive. We could, we could have 20, but I think these are three important points that I believe we can do right now. Does that sound good? If not, that's all I got, okay? The first thing we must be committed to this fall is doing the right things. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to do the right things. Let's think about this story just for a second. You have Peter and you have John. They go and they encounter this man. What put Peter and John in the position to be so greatly used by God? They're doing the right thing. Where are they headed? They're headed to church. They're not doing something uh, just incredibly crazy. They're simply doing the right thing. They are headed to the temple to worship God. They're not going to get drunk. They're not going to the party. They're not going to cheat on their spouses. They are doing the right thing. And in the lives of believers that I see make a difference or make an impact for the kingdom of God, I see that they constantly do the right things. They're committed to doing the right things. Not perfect, because how many people know, none of us are perfect. We've all fallen short of God's glory, all of us. But people I see make a difference. They are committed to doing the right things, even when they're not popular, even when it's hard. Quickly, I want to look at three right things that we must do right now. The first one is this, is our consistent walk with Jesus. We have to do that. We have to have this fall a consistent walk with the Lord. And when I talk about a consistent walk with the Lord, I'm talking reading, praying, going to church, worshiping, serving, and fasting. Come on, we're not going to do much for the kingdom of God this year if we do not have a disciplined life, if we do not have a lifestyle of spending time with God. Come on, we have to be committed to our daily time with God. Look what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. The author says, pray without ceasing. Now, does pray without ceasing means, man, you got to go move to the woods and 24-7, you can't sleep or eat, you got to pray? No. But our lifestyle should be that of which we're always praying. When we're driving to work, we're praying. We're praying over our family. When we think about that person in need, we pray for them. When we see that post on social media, we don't judge them. Hello, we pray for them. When we see that person, you know, at the stoplight that's begging for money, we don't go, oh, they're a crackhead. They don't know how to manage their money. We pray for them. Hello. We are called to live a lifestyle of prayer. What does 2 Timothy 2.15 say? Study to show yourself approved. Come on, we are called to read the Bible. We're called not to just read the Bible. We are called to do what? To study the Bible. I think some of the problems that we have in America today are simply because the 200 million professing Christians haven't studied the Bible. Because there's certain issues that we're facing right now that the Bible has a direct answer to. And if as Christians, we wouldn't be so swayed by society, but we would be swayed by this book. I'm telling you, our culture would go in a different direction. We have to know what the word of God says. In these times, we have to know what God's word says. Hebrews 10, 25 says this, don't neglect to meet together. I'm so happy that you chose to come to church today. I know over the last couple of years, things have been nuts. Things have been crazy with COVID and everything going on, but we cannot neglect to meet together. We can't neglect to worship together. We can't neglect to meet, you know, be smart. Don't be, you know, out chewing on everybody and all that stuff, but we have to be able to meet together. We're stronger together. First uh, Chronicles chapter 16, verse 29, the last part of that verse says, worship the Lord in splendor of holiness. We have to have a lifestyle of worshiping God. Now, when we come together on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings, how many people know that's a worship service and it's powerful? We come to church to worship God, to engage God, to tell God he is good, to tell God he is faithful, to cry before the Lord, to praise him for the goodness and the glory and the majestic God that he is. And I just want to challenge you today. I know a lot of times we come to church services and our minds can be a hundred miles away from worshiping God. I've been there before. I want to encourage you when we worship God, try to push everything aside. Try to push your show aside. Try to push what you have to do at work aside. Try to push your kids aside for a second and connect with God when we worship. Amen. But I'll also say this, as impactful as our corporate worship time, you can have a vibrant time of worship by yourself. 
We are called and created to worship our creator. On the way to work, you can worship God. In the shower, you can worship God. You can sing as loud as you want in the shower. Come on. In the corporate worship, man, if you're singing bad, I'll be honest, I'll, look, I'll probably look at you a little bit. I mean, I mean, you keep going, but... Anyway, we have to live a lifestyle of worshiping the Lord. Let's look at uh, Matthew 6, 16. Jesus says about fasting, he says, when you fast, what does that imply? That we're going to do it. Over the last year and a half, there's been craziness that's went on in America and throughout the world. Obviously, COVID, people being sick. You have the political climate that we've been in for the last few years. You have what's going on in Afghanistan. You have the tragedies in Haiti. You have all this stuff. What I felt the Lord impress upon me as I was studying for this scripture is how often have I prayed, but particularly how often have I fasted for the issues in the state of our nation? Have we fasted? Jesus said, when you fast. We have to have a lifestyle of doing the things that I just mentioned. Um, think about Daniel for a second. Daniel uh, was in the Old Testament. His stories are found in the book of Daniel. Later in Daniel's life, we know that he is a slave in Babylon. We realize that he's risen to power. He has great anointing. He has great influence in the nation of Babylon. We also know that people want to push him down. And so what happens? They make a law where 30 days, you can't worship God. You have to worship King Darius. What does Daniel do? He's like, I don't care nothing about that. I'm going to worship God. We have to have a constant walk with God. We have to spend time with God. Even if things are busy in our life, we have to have a constant, steady, disciplined, consistent, committed relationship with Jesus every day. And I think a good question to ask is, do we? How is our walk with God? And if it's not very good right now, there's no condemnation. The good thing is we can start today. We can read today. We can pray today. We can seek God today. We can worship God today. Once a week, I can fast lunch and I can pray for the needs of people around me. We can do this. Come on, it's 2021. We've been saved for one year, for five years, for 10 years, for 30 years, for 50 years. Now is the time to have a consistent walk with God. Now is the time to put every excuse aside. If you don't have time, make time. Wake up early, go to sleep late. I don't care. We have to make time for God. Amen? We have to. Here's why. Because listen, when we spend time with God, it does something in the atmosphere for one. It does something for the whole kingdom of God in general. But it also does something for us. It gives us fulfillment. It gives us peace. It gives us purpose. How many people would agree when you wake up early in the morning, you got that coffee and you're reading your word, your day might not go perfect, but you're walking in something, man, that's just amazing. You're walking in the peace of God. We feel so God, so good when we are spending close time with God. How many people would agree? Then why does so often we push that time aside? The enemy wants to get your mind busy, your life busy, so that sanctuary of being in God's presence, we just push it aside. We have to choose to do that. The second right thing that we have to do is grow in our faith. This is a year to grow in our faith. You know, you saw that the picture of uh, some of our, uh, our team that went on the mission trip. You saw my son, Gabe. Uh, it's been awesome watching over the last uh, few years, Gabe grow and develop in his walk with Jesus. Uh, every Friday morning, we have prayer in here in the sanctuary at 7 a.m. We would love to have you come. But Gabe's been coming with me for years. Uh, a few years ago, he began praying every morning. And we went on this mission trip. And this was his first one, a big step of faith for him. But in, you saw his picture. He's there. He's, he's giving a little word over the church. He's praying over the church. He's growing. Amen. Listen, he's still a knucklehead. <laughs> you know, sometimes your kids just do something and you're just like, what are you doing? I find that every day, like with all of my kids, I'm just like, what are you doing? This morning, he's not, is he in here? I don't think he's in here. Uh, <laughs> this morning, we're getting ready to come to church, and he's getting his guitar to do something. I don't know, and all I know is I'm starting the, the vehicle, and Gabe's walking outside in his socks, no shoes on a car, across the grass. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He walks across the concrete, just wet spots everywhere, soaking wet. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, okay, it's okay, I'm going to go put my shoes on. I'm like, no, dude, what are you doing? That had nothing to do with anything. Jesus loves him, so it's all good. <laughs> Come on, this is a year that we are called to grow. 
Jesus said Luke, uh, about Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. We're called to grow. We're called to mature this year. At some point in time, we have to spiritually mature. At some point in time, you and I have to be the ones who point people to Jesus. At some point in time, you and I have to be the ones that are filled with the fruits of the Spirit in our life. At some point in time, you and I have to be able to defend our faith and not just Pastor John or Pastor Mike. At some point in time, when we're on the road and somebody cuts us off, we can't be the people that are chasing them down and flipping them the, you know, that one finger. We got to mature. At some point in time, we have to be the people that know how to lead other, other, others to Christ. At some point in time, we have to be the ones that show mercy and grace to people who really need it. At some point in time, you and I have to be the ones that serve. At some point in time, you and I have to be the ones that lead the Bible study. We've been to the Bible study 800 times. We can lead it. Come on. We have to be the ones that can witness. It's time this fall to grow and to mature because if we don't do it, who will? Let me tell you somebody in the story who grew. It was Peter. If you remember Peter just a few weeks before this miracle takes place, what is Peter doing? Jesus in his darkest hour, what is Peter doing? He's denying Jesus. He, he's cussing at a little girl. He goes back to fishing. I mean, I don't know about you. I kind of, I relate to Peter a lot. Any of you in here? Man, if, if God can take that knucklehead and make him the leader of the early church, he can use us. Dude, have y'all ever cut anybody's ear off? I mean, this dude, God uses him. God can use me if I will commit to grow and to mature. Listen, our church is committed to help you grow and mature. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have foundation classes. That's why we have kids zones so your kids can grow and mature. That's why we have powerhouse so our kids can grow and mature. That's why we have our connection college age ministry so our young adults can grow and mature. That's why we have our senior adults ministry so we can grow and mature. Come on, this is a season to grow and mature. The third right thing that we must do is fight not to fall into sin. Remember when we pray the Lord's Prayer, one of the things we pray is what? Lord, lead me away from temptation. Don't lead me into temptation. If we want to make a difference in this day and age, we must be committed to not falling into a lifestyle of sin. Real quick, I want to differentiate sin because we all commit sins every once in a while and a lifestyle of sin. A lifestyle of sin is looking at God and looking at God's word and saying, I'm not going to, I'm choosing purposely not to follow that. I know what God wants. I'm choosing to live a lifestyle where I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. Okay. That's a lifestyle of sin. Falling into a sin is I said something disrespectful or hurtful to my wife. I, I did not mean to, and I'm going to ask God to forgive me. And I'm going to ask my wife or spouse to forgive me. You know, at work, when the boss asked me if I did something and I say I did and I really didn't, you need to ask God to forgive you and you need to tell your boss, listen, I dropped the ball. I didn't do it. I'm sorry. I'm going to get on there. I'm sorry I lied. Are you following me? That's the difference between I sinned and I'm living a lifestyle of choosing to walk away from God. This has to be the year, number one, when we drop the ball and sin, we have to ask God to forgive us. We have to do menanoia and turn and change and go back to Jesus. But this is a year that we cannot live a lifestyle of falling into sin. First John chapter 3, verse 6, no one who abides in him, God, keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. This is a year that we have to live a lifestyle where we are following the principles and the dictates and the commands of God. I want you to think for a second about Joseph and David. We would all agree in their day that God used these mighty men to do awesome things for the kingdom of God. However, let's look at their, their battle, if you will, with lust. Joseph, he's put in a situation. He's in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife, she a little lonely, She's kind of a bad girl, and she's like, Joseph, let's get together. Let's go snuggle, right? What does Joseph do? I'm out of here. Think about David. David, same situation. The Bible says the time when kings go off to battle, where's David? On the roof with binoculars. He runs to it. This is a fall that we decide. It's up to you and I. Free will. 
Will we decide to run away from temptations? Will we run away from what the enemy's trying to ensnare us in? Or will we run to it? I'm telling you, if you will abstain, if you will fight it, if you will run away, God will bless you and he will bless your family. If we want to be fully committed this year, we must first simply live a lifestyle of doing the right things biblically and abstaining from the wrong things. And before we move on, we realize that this really, in my opinion, is one of the factors that separates real Christians from fake Christians. We are called to be different in word and deed. We are called to be different in belief, but also action. Who determines right or wrong? Pastor John every week talks about this. Culture does not determine right or wrong. Supreme Court decisions do not determine right or wrong. Your favorite politician who is influenced by a lot of lobbyists and a lot of outside money do not determine right or wrong. God's word does. If 200 million professing Christians in America committed to doing the right thing biblically, things would change. The cure for wokeism in America today is born-againism. Born again, repenting of our sins and living for Jesus. Come on, right now we, we hear this term being awake, being uh, woke. Come on, Jesus wants to wake us up. Jesus wants us living for him. God is the creator, Satan counterfeits. So all these people waking up to social issues, I'm telling you, there are social issues that we need to pray for and we need to step into, but I'm telling you, waking up just for a social issue is not what God has called us to do. God has created a hole inside of us that only two things can feel. Number one is Jesus as the, our Lord and Savior. Number two, it's the mission of the church, which is to make disciples. So people are being awakened to something, and it's a counterfeit if you're just fighting a culture, if you're just fighting for a, a, a one particular thing. Jesus wants us to wake up to fight for the kingdom of God, to fight for righteousness, to fight for peace. Right now, we have two political parties in our nation that constantly are just throwing mud on each other. That's what's happening. And the enemy is using it. As Christians, we need to be able to see what God is doing. What does God want us to do? How does God want us to live? And we want to be awakened to the things of God, not just the headline on the news that day. We realize that new, whatever news source that you watch, it's paid for by who? Commercials commercials, they come in these businesses with commercials because there's a certain amount of viewers. So what do they have to do? There has to constantly be a problem. There's constantly a problem. I'm telling you, as a Christian, sometimes we got to turn off the TV, listen to the Holy Spirit, and pray for issues that are going on in our day. We have to. That's point number one. We have to be committed to doing the right thing. Here's the second major point today. The second thing we must be fully committed to this fall is seeing people and helping people. I want you to think about this lame man just for a moment. This lame man had a tough life. This dude did not have it easy. If you read a few chapters later, Acts chapter four, the Bible says that this man was over 40 years old. So this guy, the Bible says daily, they're taking him to the temple so he can beg for money. He has a problem. He's crippled. He also has another problem. Because he's lame, because he is crippled, he cannot go in into the temple and worship God. This is old Jewish law. This is Levitical law that was going on at this place. Because he had an abnormality or a difficulty, he could not go in and worship God as we're worshiping God right now. He had a major need. How easy would it have been for Peter and John to see this guy with the need and just walk on by? How easy would it have been for, you know, John to say, Peter, come on, we got to go, bro. We running late. You got to preach in a few minutes. Yesterday, you know, 3,000 people got saved. You got to hurry up. How easy would it have been to just walk by them? But they didn't just walk by because they saw him. Not just saw them, but they saw him. They noticed him. God highlighted, God illuminated this man and his need. And because they saw him, Peter and John had to do something for him. They had to have compassion for him. And you know, this man had two major needs. Number one is he didn't have money. They couldn't meet that need. But he had another need. It was, he was lame. And so they believed God and God did a miracle. Kind of side point here. A lot of times we see problems, issues in our life or around us that are big. And we think, how in the world can I ever do anything for this? You may not can give the person money, but you can pray believing. Amen. There's something that we can do. 
I believe that this is a fall that we must commit to seeing people's needs and meeting people's needs and praying for God to move over people's needs. Um, uh, last weekend, uh, my wife and I, uh, we went out of town without kids. Can I get a hallelujah? Praise the Lord. Mm, man, it'd been like seven years. It was awesome. We went uh, with two other uh, friends of our, two couples went with us. And uh, last Saturday, uh, there was a big football game going on. I don't know if you, you knew about that. There was a big one that happened. And uh, I'll just say this, man, the SEC just mean, you know, their refs, I don't know if they're, you know, I think maybe they were paid and, and uh, you know, these fans kept, you know, hollering mean things. They kept saying like suey and doing all this stuff. And, you know, I don't know what happened and, and we're not going to call them right now. But uh, anyways, we're watching this game and, and the girls were like, man, we ain't watching this football game. I mean, I shouldn't have watched the game either. Anyway, the girls decided, man, we're going to go get some ice cream. So they kind of walked uh, away from where we were staying and they went into this little ice cream shop. It's uh, Saturday evening and there was a 22-year-old guy that worked there. He was Nigerian. And uh, one of our friends, her name is Krista, uh, she began to just kind of talk to this guy for a second. He seemed really down and really out. Have you ever been somewhere and you just see, you, you can tell the countenance of a person, something's wrong. And and he began to say, you know, I'm here on a student visa and I can't afford school right now. And I'm afraid I'm going to have to go back to my country. And long story short, they began to talk to this man. They began to, uh, she prayed with this guy, led him through the sinner's prayer and just contrition. And then the other girls gathered around. They're praying for this guy. They're prophesying over this guy. Listen, how awesome is that? When God directs our steps, when we are faithful to God, God will use it. God wants us to notice people. Come on, this lame guy in the story could not get to church. So what did the church do? The church went to him. This season, we are called to go to the hurting, the broken, the lost, the sick people in our city. What does that mean? We need to get in the COTR van and we need to drive down every street. Maybe, but that means you and I, who are the church, we have to begin to reach out to people because it's not just a building, it's us, it's Christ in us. We have to reach people. This is the season we have to be committed, committed to seeing people. We're called to go and to see and to believe and to help. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 10, verse five. I'm gonna read a few verses and I'll be honest, these verses blow my mind. You know, Jesus got it, he, he's the one who decided how Christianity, how whole this, this thing was gonna play out. So Jesus, all powerful, all knowing, all this stuff. Let me show you how he decides Christianity should work. Matthew 10, five, it says this, and he called to him the 12 disciples. He sends them out. He gave them authority over every unclean spirit to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. Verse seven, and to proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse eight, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. And you know what? The disciples go, what do they do? They do it. It's so interesting to me. Jesus did not say, man, round up some camels, you know, load all the people up, bring them back to me. I'm going to line them up and we're going to do business. He could have. He said, you go do it. He said that to the 12. He said that to the 70. He says that to us today in the Matthew 28 command, go into the world and make disciples. Jesus chosen ministry to infect or affect the whole world with his presence and the salvation of Christ is us as vessels spreading the good news. That's amazing. Now, do we want to bring people to church? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we have to be committed to seeing and ministering to people where they are. I think to some degree, our mindset in America has to change to go and find Every day, our mindset has to be, I'm on a mission to go and to find, to seek and to save that which is lost. I need to be about the Father's business this year. That's what the parables in Luke chapter 15 are about that Jesus is teaching us. Go find the coin, go find the sheep, go find the prodigal. That's for us. We are called to go and do that. We are called to go and find, we are called to see. That's what we have to do this fall. Now, is it up to us to, to, to get someone in an ice cream shop saved? No, it's our job to notice. It's our job to see. It's our job to pray. God saves people. Is it our job to heal people? No, it's your job to pray for the sick. God heals, right? 
We have to get this mindset. The enemy wants us to be fearful. He wants us to be afraid. He wants us to do nothing. The results are up to God. God is looking for you and I to see, to notice, and to pray. He does the rest. He is searching for people who will be used by him. This fall, are we going to let God use us? This fall, are we going to say yes to God? God is calling us to see people in the ice cream shops that need prayer. Come on, so why did Peter and John have this boldness? Why did they notice him? If you're not careful, you can overlook, I believe, why this happened. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, this is right before, a few days before. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, say suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Right before, a few days before, they were filled with this Holy Spirit. So what is this Holy Spirit? Jesus refers to it just the chapter before, just a few weeks before in Acts chapter one, verse eight. You will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my what? witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. So in my opinion, why did Peter and John notice this guy? Because they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Why are they so bold to ask this guy to get up and walk? Because they are bold to be a witness. Come on, the greatest evangelists in the world, it's not their power, it's not their articulate words. It's the infilling and the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness. Come on, God gave us one task to do when he left this earth. When Jesus left the earth, he said, go and make disciples. And he's like, you know what? Not only am I just gonna give them one task, but I'm gonna give them one tool that's gonna help them do that. And that's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to make witnesses. Come on, maybe you're in here today and, and you're fearful to talk to people about God. I get it. Maybe you're in here today and you're scared to talk to people. I get it about the outcome. Maybe today you need to ask God to fill you with this Holy Spirit so you will be bold to be a witness. That's why we're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's great gifts of the Holy Spirit. Pastor John talks about them and teaches about them all the time. But the point of the Holy Spirit is to be a witness to a dark world. And before I hit this last point, I've been talking a lot about us noticing people and us seeing people and us going on a mission and us listening to the Holy Spirit. But I wanna say this. God sees and notices every person that's in this room today. You may be not doing well. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you have things happening relationally or financially or with your job, with your kids. You need to know that God sees you and God cares for you. He loves you today. Some of you, I mean, you're dealing real heavy with anxiety and depression and God wants you to know he cares for you. Keep pushing, keep living. God's gonna give you enough for today. Open that Bible when you get home, hit your knees, seek God, turn on some worship music and you will feel the comfort of God in your life. I guarantee it. Here's a final point this morning is this, this fall we must be committed to sacrificing when God calls us to sacrifice. If we think about it, sacrifice in the West, in America, man, it's almost like a cuss word. None of us want to sacrifice if we don't have to. None of us want to suffer if we don't have to. I want you to think about Peter and John for a second. These dudes, as they're walking to church, I can see where they're sacrificing to some degree in two different aspects. Number one, their time. They're on their way somewhere and they are interrupted. And at that point, they can move on or they can stop. This has to be a season where we allow God to interrupt us in our daily life to do kingdom business. We're all busy, we all got things happening, but we have to allow the Holy Spirit to interrupt us so we can build the kingdom of God. I also see them, you know, they're stepping out in faith and, and, and it's a little sacrifice of pride. I said this a while ago, but they didn't just walk by and say a little prayer like, man, I hope he gets better. They told the dude to get up. What if he doesn't get up? I just said it, man, that's not up to me. That's up to you, God. God is looking for us to be willing to sacrifice at times. This has to be a fall where, we're, where we are willing to commit to sacrifice when he calls us to. I think sometimes in America, we have this thing backwards. If we're Christians, everything's supposed to be easy. 
Everything's supposed to just be no problems at all. And the problem is nowhere in the Bible does it teach that or does it show that. Anybody that did something for God, they suffered and they sacrificed at times. Paul, think about him, shipwrecked, beaten up, stoned. He sacrificed. Think about Abram, the Old Testament. I want you to leave your father and your family at 75 years old and go to a place that I will show you. That's sacrifice. Think about the early disciples. Judas killed himself out of so much anguish that he sold Jesus out. But the other 12 disciples, you know what happened? History records that all of them but one died a martyr's death. They suffered for Christ. I'm telling you, at times, we are called to sacrifice and we are called to suffer. We are called to do what God wants us to do in that hour. You know, I've been reading this awesome book about the persecuted church. And I'll just say this, right now, there's a lot of, like I said, you turn on the news, you're hearing this, you're seeing this, you're hearing this. I, I do want to give you some, something uplifting this morning. Right now, the underground church, more people are being saved in China, North Korea, Iran, all these places than ever before. The Bible is going forth, the gospel is being spread, more so now than ever. There's more Christians now than ever, ever. That's awesome. But also right now, there's more people being martyred for Christ than ever before. That's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. We know missionaries on the ground that say they're giving Bibles to people who are ripping up pages and putting them in the dirt, burying them so that they can go back and look when their government comes in and tries to kill them or take their Bible. That's happening now. I've been reading this book and there's this particular story in there. This is back in the 1920s or 30s. This is in Russia where they were just so oppressed and, and all these things happening, communist Russia. And, and let me just tell you, to some degree, I do think more suffering and more sacrifice is gonna be required of us in the West. You're seeing more and more an anti-Christ spirit that's trying to push the church away and push the church back. The church cannot back up anymore. We have to start pushing forward. It has to. This particular, this particular book that I'm reading is telling the story of this pastor who was in Russia in the 1920s or 30s. He pastored a small church. The government came in and said, stop preaching, stop having church. He wouldn't. They came back, stop having church. He wouldn't. Finally, they came and they took him to Siberia, took him away to prison. His wife and his family are left there. And there's this story about, man, they didn't have any food. They were about to go hungry. And God uh, wakes this guy up who used to, it was like a deacon at this church 18 miles away and says, I want you to hitch your horse and your wagon, fill it with food, and I want you to go in the snow to bring this food to, to this woman and her kids. You know what he says? God, it's the middle of the night. God, what are you talking about? And God said, I want you to go. And he said, God, I, I mean, that's a long track. It's dark, you know, on my horses. I don't know if they can make it. God said, I don't care. I want you to go. And he said, God, what happens if I get there and I drop this food off and then on the way back, the horses get attacked by wolves and I get attacked by wolves and, and I die. And here's what he, this is guy is writing this story. He says, here's what God told me. I told you to go. I didn't tell you to come back. We have to be willing at times to sacrifice. We have Christian brothers and sisters right now putting their life on the line, being killed, being beheaded by ISIS right now for the gospel. We have to be able to live for Jesus here when we're not being persecuted. We have to be able to put Christ first. We have to be able to see our neighbor that's in need. We have to be able to live this thing out and not just agree with it philosophically. We have to walk it out. If not now, when? Practically this year, how can we sacrifice? This fall, how can we sacrifice? There's three ways to sacrifice, always three ways to sacrifice, your time, your talent, and your treasure. Will this be a fall that we sacrifice our time to spend time with God, to see people? Will this be a fall that we, we sacrifice our talents I could name you 50, 100 different businessmen and women and doctors and teachers in here that sacrifice to give. They sacrifice to teach our kids. They sacrifice so much. Will this be a fall that you use the talent God gave you to bless people in our community? Finally, will this be a, a fall that we use our treasure to bless God's kingdom? That church that we just showed there, that church cost $12,000 and it was a small group that raised the money to, to, to build it. 
sent the money over there, they built it. In America, $12,000, if you to be honest, it doesn't go very far. You can't build much with $12,000. They got a church. They're meeting there every day. The gospel is going forward because some people said, I will. I'm going to do what God wants me to do because I may not see it, but God knows the bigger picture and I'm going to trust God. This is the season to go all in. This is not the season to be stingy. Amen? One life to live, one chance to do it. Let's go all in. Come on, as the, as the band is coming forward, I'm reminded uh, several years ago, it's probably been 10 years ago, I heard a, a pastor, he talked a little bit about this story. And he said this, and I thought it was really interesting. And he said, I want you to think back to Jesus. Right before this story takes place of Peter and John being used by God to heal this lame man, what happened? About 50 or 60 days before, Jesus comes into the city of where? Jerusalem. And Jesus, it's called the, the Passion Week. And Jesus actually goes to the same temple. He goes into the temple to teach. He goes into the temple and he throws out the money changers. You remember that? What I like about Jesus is Jesus, man, he was meek, but Jesus wasn't some little walk around with your head down. Jesus was a man. And Jesus, man, he's in this temple. And you got to believe Jesus walked the earth 33 years. He lived in the area. He was Jewish. You've got to believe that he probably went to the temple dozens and dozens and dozens of times. The Bible said about the man that was lame. The Bible says, how many times did they bring him to the temple? Daily. He's 40 years old. You've got to believe that Jesus encountered this guy at least one time and maybe just a few weeks before. And you got to believe that Jesus saw him before. The other people knew who he was. They were astounded. This is the dude that they lay in front of the gate and who begs. So if Jesus did see him, which I believe he probably did, why did he not heal the man himself? This is what I love about Jesus. I can believe Jesus. This is not, this is not in the gospel. But I believe Jesus is walking by. Jesus knows all things. Jesus knows his need. And I believe in Jesus' mind. He's like, you know what? You just wait, man. I'm going to send my boys back in a few weeks. And they're going to take care of it. See, this wasn't Jesus physically healing the guy. This was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus healing this guy after Jesus has ascended. Jesus later says in John 14 that you're going to do greater things than I did on the earth because of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? You're going to do greater things than Jesus? You, what you, what I do for the kingdom of God will be greater than what Jesus did here on the earth. We've got to see people. We've got to have a daily time with God. And we've got to sacrifice when God calls us to sacrifice. Amen. God cares for us. God loves us. And he loves us so much. He saves us, but he gives you mission. And mission is to help people. Right? Come on, let's stand on our feet this morning. Actually, it's this afternoon. I went a little long. Sorry. Praise God. Praise God. I want our prayer team to go ahead and come to the front. In just a moment, we want to pray for any need that you may have. But right now, I want us all to lift our hands, and I want to pray that this is a year that we commit to follow Christ with our whole heart. Just raise your hands, close your eyes. Lord, today I pray for my friends. Lord, I ask for myself, God, that this would be a year that we commit to you. This would be a year that we follow you. God, this would be a year that we are dedicated to to spend time with you, to read, to pray, to study, to fast, to serve, to worship. God, this would be a year that we notice people. This would be a year that we see people. This would be a year that we sacrifice when you call us to sacrifice. Lord, we want our whole life to be about you. God, I pray that you would grant us favor and that favor would come when we're obedient to following scripture and following what you want us to do. God, I pray that you would help us, that you would empower every person in here to live for you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Listen, here's what's about to happen. We're gonna go back into just a, uh, just a moment of worship. But before that, and and. Even also, our prayer team is up here if you need any prayer need at all. But if you're in this place today and you are not right with God, I want you to know God cares for you. And again, God sees you. The man in our story, he had a problem. He was crippled. And you know what? Every person that's ever walked the face of the earth, we've been crippled with sin. We have sinned. We have fallen away from God. 
And because we've sinned, there's a consequence for that sin. And that consequence for that sin is, is eternity away from God in a real place called hell. That place was created for Satan and the demons that followed him. But if we choose to live for Satan, that's where we go too. The good news, that's the bad news. The good news is God sent his son, Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross to atone or to pay for our sin. That one day when we would repent of our sin and we would turn to him and believe that he would save us and our place for eternity would not be there, but it would be up there in heaven. If you're in this place today and you've never repented of your sin, you have never committed to following Jesus, today you're in the right place at the right time. Today can be the day that you ask Jesus to come into your heart and you can live for him for the rest of your days. If you're in here right now and you say, I want to repent and I want to follow Jesus, I want you to raise your hand real high, real proud. Amen. Several people in here. Amen. 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 As Pastor Michael leads us into a song, we're so proud of you for raising your hand. I want you to meet us in a couple prayer team at that cross. We are going to pray and believe, and we're believing that God's going to do amazing things in your life. But listen, our prayer team is here. Let's lift our hands. And when we go out in a minute or two, let's live for Jesus and let's commit to being his followers for real. Amen. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake. Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Thank you for being with us today, Church of the Rock.